Hello, everyone. I'm Emily Lavender, and this is the Forever Marriage Podcast. Forever Marriage at Lakewood exists to strengthen families by helping couples discover God's design for marriage. All right, so we are jumping back into season two of the Forever Marriage Podcast in which we're talking about six keys to better sex in marriage. And I might just add biblical sex in marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you haven't listened to the first three episodes of that, I'd encourage you to do so, um, where we talked about just the biblical purpose of sex. We talked about the principle of the boundary and also five keys to a safe relationship. So those episodes are going to be really important to kind of set up the rest of the conversation. So check those out if you haven't already. Um, But today we're going to jump into um, episode four of this season, where we're going to finish up the first key. We're going to be talking about three ways to know if your sexual relationship is unhealthy. So Scott and Dawn, welcome today. Hello, Emily. Excited to be here. Hi, Emily. It's good to be back. Mm -hmm. How was your Christmas? Did y'all have good holidays? We haven't recorded since before the holidays. It has been a while. Christmas was good. It was restful. We had some good downtime and played with the kids and... Ate a lot of food. <laughs> mm-hmm. Downtime, played with the kids. Yeah, we, yeah, we ate a lot of food. Got a little sick. Mm-hmm. Some of our family. Yeah. yeah. So I think feels like everybody got sick. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. it's good to be back. Back in the swing of things. It yes. is back in the saddle. Back in the saddle. That's right. All right. Well, Scott, why don't you kick us off with finishing up the the uh, end of the first key. Yeah, so if you, as Em said, um, if you've been listening with us, this is finishing up key number one. And, and so we're going to, this episode, we're going to focus on three ways to know if your sexual relationship is unhealthy. And this is not an all-inclusive list. This is just some observations that we have had as we've worked with couples through the years um, so you might could add something to this list from your own experience or as you've talked with family or friends about uh, biblical sexuality. But these are some of our observations. So the first way to know if your sexual relationship is unhealthy is if you have a negative mindset about sex. And this line of thinking tends to be an indic—it's there's an indication there's likely distorted thinking or false beliefs about sexuality. And this can be the result of years of being told to say no. We've talked about this within the church, not just here at Lakewood where we're on staff in Gainesville, Georgia, but just in the purity movement over the past several decades, we've we've worked with couples in the past that came into marriage sexually pure and had largely gone with a uh, a mindset of saying no to sex. But it, I will just be honest with you guys. Sometimes it's hard for a young couple, and we've seen this especially for young brides where. They were taught through the church, maybe through family of origin, to say no uh, for the right reasons, that true love waits, which is good, it's proper, it's right. But what we have found is it's not uncommon for a couple when they have learned to say no for 18, 19, 20 years or more. When they're saying no on a Friday night, of the rehearsal, and then on Saturday after the wedding to shift to being able to say yes, we, we find it's, it's can sometimes be 
a little bit hard for that mental shift. I've been saying no all these years, and now I'm saying yes. And uh, inadvertently, we can have some false or distorted beliefs in that no means it's not good, and now yes says it is good, and some couples get tripped up on that. And so that is one way of knowing if you have a negative mindset is kind of rooting some of that out. Now, in marriage, one thing that we, we find, it, it may be hard just to flip that switch, as I was saying, of saying yes to sex and mentally asserting that sex is good. And if you, if you can't assert that sex is good, we encourage you to go back and listen to uh, the first few episodes where we talk about the biblical purpose of sex, because God ordained biblical sex. And we're careful, as Emily said at the very beginning, we're talking about biblical sexuality. Our culture gives us a a realm of unbiblical sexuality that many of us, what we do here in the church is helping couples root out all of these false, distorted, unbiblical beliefs and actions about sexuality. And I think there are a lot of reasons to have negative ideas about sex. Um, you know, we, we develop our ideas about it in a lot of different ways from our family of origin, from our past relational experiences. Um, I think that in the, you know, in the Christian community, it certainly would have been my experience early in our marriage is that I would agree sex is good, but my experience is not good, was not good. And so, for, you know, and it's hard because there's no real avenue in the church to, to discuss that as a, as, you know, as a couple, then it can be very, a very painful experience to have a negative mindset. So I guess what we're saying in this particular part of, um, of ways to know if your sexual relationship is unhealthy is just to take a real honest assessment about our, my, our, our ideas, our attitudes, about sex. And it may be helpful just to write them down, even if it's not what you would share in Sunday school. You know, if it just an idea, an early idea of mine or and certainly a belief was sex is more for Scott than it is for me. And that was a belief that I had to sort of grapple with with the Lord over. It affected our sexual relationship. And I had to shift to an understanding that, no, it's for me, too. It is for me, too. And I needed some help in uh, in making that become my experience. And so there this is a good part for all of us to take a, just a mental inventory of our ideas about it, how they were shaped, how they were formed, and then looking at and looking to the scriptures to kind of help us. And having some honest conversation about how to frame it properly in, uh, in our mindset. Yeah. We, as you're talking about, hun, um, we, we've observed that a negative mindset about sex may also have been developed from never being adequately taught. Generally, anytime we've ever done this through the years and we've asked a group, whether it be in a Sunday school setting, a conference setting, how many of you were taught a healthy biblical view about sexuality from your parents? 
more often than not, it's less than 5% of the group, depending on the, doesn't matter the size, 5% that we're taught. And so sometimes, as you're alluding to, Dawn, we, we form this negative mindset often because we're just not adequately taught um, what a biblical sexuality is. Or we may have had, as you were alluding to, a traumatic sexual encounter or an unpleasurable sexual experience that just kind of reinforced a negative thinking about it. Now, as we're working through this series, um, Six Keys to Better Biblical Sex and Marriage, you're going to begin to realize that the majority of our teaching about biblical sexuality is going to focus on your mindset. We found if a person's thinking about sexuality is properly aligned with God's, the sexual experience becomes all the more enjoyable. And as Dawn just alluded to, sometimes we come into marital sexuality thinking that it's for our partner's enjoyment and just for us to endure. And that is a negative mindset about sex. But as Dawn, you said, I think it's crucial for all of us to ask ourselves, what is my thinking about sex and where did that come from? Is it healthy or not? A key piece that I would say is just aligning, asking yourself your thoughts about sex is what I think about sex biblical. And can you, can I back up what I'm thinking about marital sex? Can I back it up biblically? Thus says the word. Thus says the Lord. And if we can't, we might need to take those thoughts captive. So we're talking about in this episode three ways to know if your sexual relationship is unhealthy. This is the final section of key number one. But the second piece to know if your sexual relationship is unhealthy is that it has to be perverse to work. And let us just say this simply, if perversion is required to bring about pleasure, it is likely there are deceptive and distorted thoughts about sexuality. The enemy attempts to take that which is beautiful by God's design and pervert it. And... Biblical sexuality, as it was created by God in the garden for Adam and Eve, was to be a very beautiful thing. You can look at the last verse of chapter 2 of Genesis, and right there Moses said says about Adam and Eve, the man and the wife were naked and unashamed. In any time there's this sense of being unashamed, being free, it says to us, um, there is, there's no perversion. There's no taintedness. But what we have found, if there's a perversion to it, there's going to be some element of shame associated with it for one or both partners. An unwillingness to speak freely about what they're doing out of fear of, uh, what people will think. If what you want or need from your partner for sex to work is either unbiblical, it's immoral, it's illegal, it's unethical, or it violates your partner's conscience, it's highly likely you're relying on perversion to bring you pleasure. And I want to say that again. I w- take note of these, because we use these uh, filters f- for more than just marital sexuality. 
But just ask yourself this, is what I'm asking of my partner in our marital sex, is it unbiblical? Can, can I find biblical support for this act, whatever it may be? Is it immoral? Is it immoral? Is it a violation of moral, ethical behavior? Is it illegal? If it's illegal, then you know, okay, God, God is not going to bless that which is illegal. If it's unethical or listen, if it violates your partner's conscience, there may be things that it's not unbiblical. It's not illegal. It's not immoral. It's not even unethical, but your partner is just not there. I would say don't force the issue yet on them. Yes. And I, I would say these, the, this, these filters are so very important for us to consider and to run these things through because biblical, I mean, the sinful world has used biblical support for abuse and in many cases. Mm -hmm. And so even just the first question of, is it unbiblical? Well, you know, biblical, you know, scripture would say, wives, be submissive to your husbands. Um, and that particular verse of scripture has been used to bring women to, um, into, um, certainly activities that violated their conscience, but because they love the Lord and they wanted to obey scripture. So that's why it's important not to just stop at the first one, but to move all the way through, you know, immoral, unethical, um, illegal, does it violate your conscience? And the, it is very important to run these decisions through the whole gamut of those filters, because as, as we are together, image bearers of a holy God, his children, those two truths about Scott and about me introduce a culture of honor in our home and even in our sex life where we honor each other's thoughts um, requests, experiences based on those two things. So how I treat Scott is really based on those two fundamental truths. And even in this area, what we ask of each other, we have to understand that we are of great value to a holy God. And so asking Scott to do something that violates his conscience is dishonoring to him. Yeah. And I'm thinking as you're talking, hon, um, if, if, if I in, in our marital sexuality, if I'm functioning from a mindset of I want Dawn what I want, when I want it, no questions asked, I can, regardless of what I'm asking or requesting of you, I can tell you my heart is not functioning from a biblical mindset because yeah. it is, it is functioning from a self-serving, selfless mindset rather than Philippians 2, 3, and 4 regarding your needs as more important than than mine. We have to, in our marital sexuality, guys, we have to function from a what Dawn and I would say is a position of mutual submission. Ephesians 5.21 says, out of reverence for Christ, submit to one another. And so just thinking biblically, am I regarding my partner's sexual needs as more important than my own. 
when you read Philippians 2, 3, and 4, it by no means is Paul talking about marital sexuality, but he is saying everything about marital sexuality because biblical marital sexuality is going to give preference to one another. Would you disagree with me on that or no, I don't. But that that but I think that the discussion through the filters is very important when you're discussing your sex life uh, together and how you want to conduct yourself in the marital bed. It's very important to talk about those filters, biblical, ethical, moral, um, violating the conscience of, you know, legality, mm-hmm. all of those things and being able to evaluate it with that. <clears throat> so for me, why we have negative mindsets about sex, where why abuse we have suffered abuse in that area, mm-hmm. is because we you know we've allowed selfishness to creep into our marriage bed experience, and from our perspective, we believe it's an act of worship that it is to honor God. It's an, a, a blessing to experience. There's a mutuality of edification in that process with one another. That w- there is no room for selfishness in in the covenant relationship. Yeah. Just suffice it to say, guys, as we talk about this point number two under three ways to know if your sexual relationship is unhealthy, in that it has to be perverse to work. Just let let's close out this section with just saying this: we can't, in good conscience, ask God to bless that which He does not bless. So if you just are sitting there thinking, can I in good conscience ask God to bless this? And if your conscience does not give you freedom, then chances are it's not blessed of God because God blesses that which he says he blesses and he can't bless that which he says is not to be blessed. For instance, I could not prior to marriage ask God to bless sexual activity with someone that I was not married to because that's not blessed of God. So I can't ask God to bless it. But the media and everybody else and, you know, in our culture would say that that's okay and good and normal. And why wouldn't he bless that? You know, so I feel like we're so inundated with media and our culture. So, it makes it seem like it's good and this is normal, you know. Right. But it's not. Maybe we talked about this in an earlier episode, but I saw a a cartoon or a meme once of a an older fish in the water and then these two little the two young fish come swimming by and the older fish says, How's the water today, guys? And they both go, What water? Because they you know, they, they're just out there swimming. They don't they're not paying they're not paying any attention to the temperature of the water, the dangers in the water. They they're just they're just out there doing their thing. And so it, for us, our culture, American culture is a very highly sexually charged culture. There's really no there's really no getting around it. But it's our awareness of the water that we're swimming in that is so important for us to pay attention to. You know, in, you know, in as the sexual revolution took place back in the 60s and 70s and the the openness of free love and make love and not war, um, you know, all of that now has transitioned to where that was sort of rejected in in mainstream certainly certainly, you know, in the structures of of our communities and our homes. That was seen really as maybe um 
attack on the family. It was not seen as normal or something that we wanted to adopt. But as time has moved on, that idea of free love is um, is normalized, that it's introduced very early. It's part of very early relationships where it was embedded deep in relationships early on. You didn't get to that until that was, you know, that was moving around the bases and that was, you know, a home run, you know, but now sex in the relationship is first base. It It is just the very beginning of a relationship and that's considered, that's considered normal, but it is become, it is destructive to us in a, in our marriages because the church has kind of left the culture, left education about sex up to the culture. And it's really showing in the church. Yeah. So guys, we're talking about in this episode, three ways to know if your sexual relationship is unhealthy. And we've said the first way is to know is you have a negative mindset about sex. The second way to know is it has to be perverse to work. And then the final piece of this, and we'll close this episode out here, is that it has, it's about addiction instead of affection. It's about addiction instead of affection. What do we mean by that? Biblical sexuality is about love and not lust. As Dawn and Emily have been talking about just looking at our culture, the way our culture is set up is really most of what we see in our culture, what we see from Hollywood, what we see in media is really driven by lust. It's, it's, you can, you can understand this. If you just think about it in your own world, what is my motivating factor here in, in my sexual desires towards my partner? Because God designed sex is intent on giving affection and attention to one's partner. However, distorted sexuality is focused on satiating our lustful desires. And let me just tell you this, guys. Lust will never be satiated. What do I mean by that? Lust will never be satisfied. If your marital sexuality or even your sexuality, if you're listening to this and it's not in the context of the God-blessed marital covenant, if your sexuality is is driven by lust, it will never be satiated. And how do I know that? Because it's not uncommon when we're doing premarital counseling with a young couple. If a guy is um, struggling with maybe even an addiction or a, at minimal an attraction to pornography, inevitably he believes um once I marry and I have marital sexuality ever before me, my desire, my need, my longing for pornographic material will wane. And what we tend to find, guys, is that might be true at best for about an 18 to 24 month period. Maybe those who are highly disciplined can take it into the third year of marriage. But inevitably, what we find is that person's desire, which was driven by lust, is not satiated, and it creeps back up. And that's all to say that we have to ask ourselves, is what I'm desiring here in my sexuality is it driven by love for my partner or by lust within my flesh? 
And you can, you can decide, you can discern what is love and what is lust. Cause lust is really about what can I get from this person? Love is about what can I give to this person? So as we close this episode, I just want you to think, what is your mindset about sex? Do you have an unhealthy mindset? Does sex have to be, it does it, you have a negative mindset about sex that it's just for my partner to enjoy, for me to endure? Does it have to be perverse to work? Or is your sexual relationship with your partner more about addiction than it is about affection? If that is true in our next episode, when we get to key number one, key number two, we're going to begin addressing how do we deal with sexual sin in our marriage. All right. Thank you, guys. So just for summary's sake, this this was the conclusion of key one. So we the first four episodes of this season have all been a part of the first key and which is to align your thinking about sex with God's truth. And so within those first four episodes, that all feeds into that aligning your thinking about sex with God's truth. So also at the end of this episode, I'm going to post some um, questions for you to work through um, just as follow up to, to what we've talked about today. So as you're working through those questions, just remember um, the five keys to a safe relationship, which I believe we talked about in the third episode. So just kind of run through those and kind of have those in your mind as you're talking through these questions to have a helpful and productive and encouraging conversation um, about your um, sex and marriage, because that can be hard sometimes. So we hope this has been encouraging for you. Tune in for the next episode where we will kick off the second key.